it's so long, but the thing is, you can't just do... See, this is the thing. People don't understand. They, they, they seem to associate the Bulikuta as one breed, but it's not actually one breed. This is where we're mistaken. I mean, they're all Mastiffs, but there's a variation. Okay, uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself and talk, uh, talk to us about your dog life journey. Right, so my name is Imran Malik. Um, I'm currently breeding the ancient Asiatic Mastiff, which is known in, in the Western world as the Bulikuta, also within the Eastern part of the world as the Bulikuta. I've been working on this project for ooh, about five to seven years now. Around that time, I've been looking. Um, my journey with the dogs actually started as a child when we used to go to Pakistan. Um, my uncles, they used to keep dogs at home for guard, guard purposes. Uh, we used to have the Russian Terriers. Oh, wow. We used to have little Russian Terriers, and we also um, had different types of... Uh, we had the German Shepherd there. I think it was an Alsatian or a German Shepherd. I can't remember clearly, but, you know, like my vision sort of, I can remember that. And then um, my other uncles, they used to be into the Bulikutas. Um, but I never really went down that route of actually looking at them because they were such big dogs, you know. It was just that fear of having big dogs. Um, this is going back to the age of probably five to seven anyway. When I was about, as time went on, we used to go to Pakistan on a regular basis. I started seeing the dogs, started falling in love with animals. And uh, I remember we used to have an old type Bulikuta. My uncle had it, his name was Billu. And that dog was the same height as me, I was about 10 years old. And I used to run around with that dog. And I remember that dog, his jaw, like I, I, I still remember my uncle telling me that, I asked him why, is it, why are his canines broken? And they said, this dog, he locked onto a dog so hard that when when we tried to release the dog he wouldn't release so what happened was they had to put so much pressure they actually broke his canines anyway that dog retired and i used to see that I used to, that dog it just pulled something into me so when i was about 12 years old about 11 12 years old i started falling in love with the bulldog i started looking into dogs um the main my main aim was that from the age of 12, 15, my uncle had a Rottweiler and I used to be there. I stayed with him for two years within the UK and I grew up around that dog. So I started getting used to dogs, big dogs, you know, especially the Rottweiler because it was known as a vicious dog. I, I, got, I got to know the, the Rottweiler. So I started getting, you know, feeling confident with other dogs. Mm -hmm. um, my, what happened was that there was a friend of my uncles his name was Ray Ray Zamet and uh, he used to have band dogs all mastiffs St. Bernard's all sorts all sorts of breeds you name giant breeds he used to have them so I used to see his dogs got a bit used to his dogs and then uh, I started my journey with the American Bulldog because my actual ambition was to bring back the old Bulldog mm -hmm. of the 1800s early 1900s 
when I looked into it, the closest thing I found to it was the American Bulldog. And the American Bulldog, which was known as the old butcher's dog, old English white, southern bulldog, it was actually taken over from United Kingdom, mm -hmm. Great Britain at that time, to America. When the migrants went over, they took their dogs over with them. And that dog was preserved, you know, more or less in its natural form within the south of America mainly. So around 98 times I started getting into the American Bulldog. I actually imported one. No, uh, sorry, the mother was imported. Mm -hmm. I bought the bitch. Uh, it was actually uh, an Adam Scott's bloodline and the mother, the mother was a daughter of Chance, the dog that was homeward bound. Anyway, at that age, I wanted something that was game, you know, right. a dog. You know, when you're at a young age, you, you know, you just have that mentality that that's what a dog is, gameness, gameness. So anyway, I, got, I bought this pup and uh, it was my first American Bulldog. And I thought to myself, first few weeks, I was like, this dog is always sitting behind me, you know, like there's nothing that this dog ever does. It's like, so I found out the breeder, I said, look, I'm not happy with the dog. I'm going to send it back. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, bring it back. I'll give you the money that you gave for it. I thought to myself, you know what? I'll rather keep the dog, mm -hmm. which was a very good idea, actually, at that point, sure. Because what happened was I started showing the dog, mm -hmm. and she actually become um, a grand champion within the United Kingdom. Wow. So did her part. He was at the show, and they actually pointed out that, you know what, this is one of the finest females that we've seen made me very proud of that you know mm -hmm. so that got me into the dogs more started looking into the history so i started getting into with all the dog people and obviously when i was in that dog shows i used to get other dogs as well a lot of people think yeah my journey was just the american bulldog but it wasn't i focused on the american bulldog 100 percent but i was looking at other breeds as well sometimes someone would say to me look i've got a crossbreed here can you help me out mm -hmm. I wouldn't want a dog to go to a rescue or go in the wrong hands because after a few years I started getting the understanding that the animal is not at all. It's actually a, a per, it's actually a family member. You know, it's got feelings, this, that, and the other. As you get older, you start understanding these things. You know, it's, never, it's not something that I agree with. Right. But the dog fighting side of the dog of this breed <clears throat> has preserved the dogs because if it wasn't for the gameness we wouldn't have these dogs today right so in a way it's benefited us but in another way it hasn't because it's cruelty to the animal right when i got to about 20 i started thinking to myself hold on a minute there's a breed that's older than the bulldog that's when I started to look into the Pulikuta. Mm -hmm. I didn't look into it much. I didn't go through the history. I didn't. I just looked at the formation, the character, and everything. And that's where it all began, really. It all started with my uncles, to be honest with you. Right. But what it was with the Pulikuta was very, very hard to find the perfect dog. Because I've always looked for dogs with, I look at the mother, a very strong believer that the mother is the best. If the mother's good, she'll produce.
a lot of people believe yeah the father but we have bred different different types I've, I've, I've seen different breedings being done and the female where the female is good the pups have come out good I mean we've, it's been done in Pakistan itself um, so when I was looking for the bully uh, I was looking my nephew said to me he's going look there's a breeder in the UK why don't you approach him? I said, okay, cool. Let's have a look what, what he's got. It'd be easier for me. It's going to save me thousands of pounds in putting mm-hmm. shots. So I looked, started looking, started looking. Anyway, I, eventually I found one. Before, all the dogs that breeder had were rubbish. Mm-hmm. There wasn't pure bully cutters. In fact, when I done my research, a lot of them dogs come from free, flea markets and were sold on for a, a higher price. The quality of, of the dogs that come first weren't good. When I saw the father to my female, that's when I realised that, you know what, this is what I need, this is what I'm going to get. I approached the breeder, left him a deposit, and uh, I went and got my female. And I actually said to the breeder at that time, I said this to him. I said, my friend, I don't want to mention his name. I said keep this female she's going to be a good dog I don't mind taking another female obviously I thought this guy is you know passionate about it so I thought that's his passion let him live his passion mm-hmm. I'll advise him he goes no he sold it to me anyway he sold it to me I bought the female home I bought her up actually he sold me the female at six weeks I bought her at six weeks so I had I bought her up from six weeks old and I learned a lot a lot hell of a lot because I used to be more or less 24 hours with the dog I learned so much about that breed just by this one dog mm-hmm. so that's where it really started from so I got you know that was my first dog and then eventually I imported one as well from Pakistan I done a breeding within the UK about three years ago my focus was to bring back a breed that's on a verge of extinction because when we talk further, I'll explain to you about why I've spoke, chosen the ancient dogs, not the a seal dog, not the Nagi dog. Why did I choose that out of the bullies? So, there's so many people out there, they will say to you, no, it's this, no, it's this. You know what? Unless you do your own research, you go looking for, you go search from village to village, town to town. You go and speak to people, especially the elders. Mm-hmm. You get books going back to the Indus civilization. You get books going back to the Raj history. You know, then your knowledge will become powerful within the with for this breed. Otherwise, a lot of people will say, no, this breed is this, this breed is that. It's got that in it. It's got this in it. It's got that in it. It will carry on, Sean. It will be. And so, therefore, I'm glad that you've actually said to me that if you could do this, because I need people to understand what this breed is. Mm-hmm. The, you know, because from what I can see, a lot of people hype the dog up for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. I'd like to mention my mentor, actually. Yeah. My mentor's name was Ray Zamet. I mentioned him to you not long ago. Now, Ray Zamet, he, 
he's into construction, but he had a passion for large drop, large dogs, large breeds. Any book in the world, you name it, he's got it. When it comes to dogs, pit bulls, whatever, you know. I mean, game dogs, mastiffs, pit bulls, bulldogs. And he shared a lot of his knowledge with me. Hell of a lot of knowledge. And until this day, I will still go to him. I will still approach him. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention Ray, you know, bless him. That's awesome. He's done a lot for me. Now he's gone to the French Bulldog because he's old now, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But he's just got a little Frenchy now. But Ray is the man, you know. All my respect goes out to him. You know, he done a lot for me. Hell of a lot. Okay, let's let's look at the history first. Yeah. I'm not going to say too much, Sean. Reason being, because I want to actually put it down in my book. Right. So everything that I put to you, I've put to a limit, but I'll explain to you a lot of things that... I'll break it down a little bit. I'll take you to quite far back. We've got a place in Pakistan which is currently known as Harappa. It's a place in Punjab. Mm -hmm. It was known as a trade route. It was known as a trade route. It was, it's where the actual, actually, it was where the Indus civilization was. Have you heard of the Indus civilization? No, I haven't. So the Indus civilization was a civilization before, known to be before the time of the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. So it's probably one of the oldest civilizations out there. And they were very modern, actually, because when we look back, they had actually had drainage systems as well. They had drainage systems. They had other things that we have in the modern world, more or less. Right. So they were very advanced at that time as well. Now, when they were excavating, what happened was they found animal figurines. They found one particular one, which actually looked like the bully kutta. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these dogs, this, this, this clay figurine that was found, was a dog figurine made uh, of terracotta. It was found in uh, Harappa, and it shows the domestication of the dogs. But if you look at the dog, big head, wide head, big body, thick bone set, just goes to show us that the bully was there. Mm -hmm. And not just that, we've got pictures, you know the Assyrian dogs, mm -hmm. if you look at them you can see the Assyrian dog. So we can go back to then. Not just that, that was a trade route. So nowadays we have a lot of programs coming on, we've got like Princess of Spain, the Vikings, we've got Ertugul, we've got, you know, all these old, old documents that are coming on now. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you watch some of them, they actually show how the trade route used to work. For example, Turkey to Syria. You know, there'd be a trade route going there, and it'd go further east. So, my strong belief is, and I will be writing about this, is the origins of the Mastiff was the east. That dog was brought over towards the west. Mm-hmm. And then obviously different breeds were added to obviously make a different functioning dog for whatever purpose. Then if 
we leave that in the civilization, we go carry on a bit, we can go back to Alexander the Great's time. It says that he was given, elders tell me this story, and it's not just once that I've heard this, I've heard it a few times that there was a dog at the time of Alexander the Great and John Gere had this dog, King John Gere. And what they done was they put this dog in the ring. They put this dog in the ring to show him the, the gameness because Alexander was known for his mastiffs. Mm-hmm. So what they done was they put it in and the king said, chop the dog's leg off or cut a certain part of his body. That dog didn't squeal. Then the dog was, that not that same dog, Alexander was very proud of this dog that looked, wow, he's not even made a noise. So he was gifted a dog at the kings of that time. He was gifted a dog and that dog stayed with him for quite a while. It is said that that dog would be very good with him. You know, with all the soldiers and everyone, he'd roam freely do what he's got to do. But when Alexander would put his uniform on, when he would be ready to go to war, that dog would stand beside him and be have his aim on what his job is, what his purpose is. Now, God knows how much truth there is in that. Right. But a lot of the elders tell us this story because Alexander the Great in Pakistan, in these countries, is known as Sakandar Azam. Okay, before 1947, it was India. The whole place was called India. Mm-hmm. It was, there was no Pakistan, there was no Bangladesh, you know. This was all one place. But the presence of the Buli Kutta has always been in the part of Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Always. There's always been there. And it's been preserved there. So today, the Buli Kutta cannot be called an Indian Mastiff. Why? Because it's been preserved in Pakistan since 1947. It was not preserved in India. Because if it was preserved in India, they wouldn't need to import dogs from Pakistan. There's a story about the first dog that crossed into India from the border. There was no, there was no borderline. An old Buli, he actually crossed the border. Some people caught this dog, a bully kutta, mm-hmm. an old type he was actually. They wouldn't give the dog back. And there's nothing no one can do about it. Obviously, you know, since partition, there's been conflict. Right. That was a sole beginner. Now, that dog was bred with a local dog. And they become a lion that they claim to be theirs. I'm not going to mention it, but... India claims it to be theirs. A lot of dogs, there is Mastiffs in India. There is. But there is more of the hairy type Mastiff instead of the short coat Mastiff. Uh-huh. Not just that, the Bully Kutta with, it, with itself, within itself, is a breed. Only it, It's the only breed that has what it has. You can't have two types of it, if you know what I mean. Like the headset, the tail set, the body. You know, every specific BK has its bit. We've got a cute Kumeon Mastiff in India. You get them in Pakistan as well. 
around Pakistan, I've seen them myself. It's supposed to be a, a guardian dog, and they reckon it's actually on the verge of extinction. It could be, mm-hmm. could be, but mm-hmm. last time I saw that particular breed was about eight years ago in a village. Mm-hmm. So then, if we carry on a bit further, a lot of people claim that the Bulikuta was present in the UK, it coming to the UK around 2000, you know, the first imports, sure. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. I've actually got evidence and solid proof that the Bulikuta was actually in the United Kingdom in 1860. Wow. It was a female. She was owned by the Prince of Wales and her name was Rani. Um, she was a prize-winning champion at the second international dog show, which was held in, uh, I think it was Islington? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was in Islington, but it was held in within the UK. Mm-hmm. I've got the picture of this dog. I've actually got the original um, portrait and she was number 15. So that just goes to show us that the dog was present here then. Do you know what I mean? That, that actually brought a dog over to, to the United Kingdom. Yeah. And if we think about it, the Mastiff before the early 1900s wasn't really much of a Mastiff. Very slim, tender dog. Right. But could she have been used? I mean, royalty, as we know, have large breeds, don't they, within the United Kingdom? Yes. Could she have been used? Could there be a bloodline of old English Mastiff come from there? Who knows? How do we know? We don't know. Mm -hmm. It could be. There's so much history, Sean. There's so many little, little... Even if we look at old paintings... I've got old Victorian paintings in my books going back even further back than the Victorian era where there's big, large, mastiff-type dogs that are, they're calling them other breeds, but when you look at the dog, it is the Bulikuta. I've seen exactly the same dog that I've had myself on a picture, but hundreds of years ago. Exactly the same, exactly, copy to copy. But obviously in paintings differ, don't they? It doesn't get this perfect shape of the dog or you know how our photo would. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's so much evidence out there. We've just got to find it. We've got to talk to the right people. You know, we've got to find the right people. Don't get me wrong, there is breed. There is crossbreeding going on. There is. There's a lot of it going on. That's why the ancient bloodlines are more or less going extinct. Because they don't use them anymore. They don't use them as much. You know, there's a picture of a dog, a black mastiff called Pluto in 1830. Uh, the owner was a Mr. Quib of Hetford, I believe. I think it was Mr. Quib. I'm not too sure. Again, sorry, got no references here at the moment. Um, I had a dog similar looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So it just goes to show that did the BK actually just stay in one place? Or a lot of people today claim that the, the, the bully kuta is an English dog. Okay, how is it an English dog? Let's sit at this table now and let's decide how it's an English dog. When I've just got a DNA saying that there's nothing English in it, firstly. Secondly, Massives were chipped over. When they went to India, they actually took Massives. I believe they took eight Mastiffs and only two survived. Hmm. Only two survived. And that time, a lot of the dogs that were kept, they were kept in, you know, you could say village, this, that and the other. But say, for example, they got hold of a Vulikuta, then crossed it with a Mastiff. The first generation would be a crossbreed. But what are they going to do with the next generations? Do you know what I mean, John? Right. It's gonna, the blood's going to flow out, isn't it? Yeah. It's not going to carry on. It's not going to stay there. We're talking about 100 years ago. So that theory, whatever theory people have got in their heads of it being that the British come over, they bred their dogs, and there we go. We've got the British breed. No, it was originally in the East. It comes from the East. It is the origin of the dog from there. The, I believe, personally, I'm 100% that the Mastiff come from there. Don't get me wrong. There was a a Celt Mastiff here within Scotland. But what do we know about it? There's not much we know about that dog, do we? Mm. I mean, that dog's been shown on um, the dog fighting world. I think the book's called The, the Fighting Dog World. A complete History of Fighting Dogs by Mike Homan. If you look at that dog on there as well, that was the Celt dog. But if we look at it as well, we look at the bully, we see a lot of similarities as well. You know? So there's a lot of history there. And I will put it all together. I will put it all together. It will make sense. You know, because a lot of people say, no, the bully has got this in it. The bully has got that in it. There's one type of bully only, Sean, that has that. And obviously further on as we talk, I'll explain that to you. Yeah, bandog is the Saxon word banda, meaning a chain. So in terms of dog, is a dog with a chain free to roam in the evening. Yeah. There's even, there's even in the British Museum evidence of dogs going back to the Nineveh city of Iraq, ancient Assyria, 850 BC. And there's descriptions of powerful build dogs, good bones, set thick, big head, short muzzle, loose skin, dewlap, you know. So... There's so much, so much, Sean. We just need to search for it. We need to find it. And God bless everything. You know, all I've gone through, I've got it all there. I just need to put it together. Yeah. But the thing is, what they do is, I'll give you an example. There's like a, there's a hunting dog they use in Pakistan. It looks a bit like a lurcher. Mm-hmm. They'll cross that with a bully kutta. If they're using it for hunting purposes, maybe it's got a bit more game. You know, so people have crossed dogs over over centuries, over periods, for working type. Yeah. This pedigree rubbish has come out not long ago, early 1900s. Mm. Dog show started late 1800s. You know, all this pedigree thing, this come out afterwards. And you know yourself, Sean, to get a pedigree dog, you have to definitely suck one way or another. You've got to do line breeding. Yeah. 
food is not really a modern bully kutta. Mm-hmm. Because if we look at it, okay, there's four types. I don't really like to mention this yet, but we've got the piranha bully, which is also known as a tulla bully. It's not a tulla bully. This name was given in the United Kingdom. Tulla is actually a surname for people. Mm-hmm. Some people say that it is a definition of a Punjabi word meaning heavily wrinkled. You know, but I can't say that for 100%. A few people have said it is, a few people have said no, it's not. So, what we've got to remember is there's over 100 languages or so in Pakistan anyway, so it could be. Right. So, we've got that. We've got old type, the ancient Asiatic Mastiff, as I call it. <clears throat> and we've got an Asil dog, which is the more taller, leaner one. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the Nagi Bulikutta, which was created in the 60s. Then we've got the, the Babuli, which is known as a Pakistani bulldog. Okay. So we've got four different types. But what have you noticed a similarity in them? Bully. Right. Everything is called bully. Why is it called bully? Because it's got the bulldog look. Right. That's what, what it, that's what it is. That's what it all comes down to. Bully is heavily wrinkled dog. Bully kutta means dog. That's what kutta stands for. So we can't actually say yeah, but everything is a bully kutta because it's not. Everything's different. Let's start with let's start with the oldest of them which is known as a Purana Bully. I call it... It is the ancient Asiatic Mastiff. Mm-hmm. It's also known as a Baramu Bully, Bola Bully. And in the West, the name of has been given the Tula Bully. Now, that's one type that we've got. Now, this dog, maximum height, 33 inches maximum. Heavy head, heavy few laps. The dog has a big, heavy bone set. The body is completely different to what you'd see. You know, like a, how could I, how could I say? You know, like an English massive, stocky, big bone dog. Right. You know, they're not that bulk on it. So we've got that, you know. It's actually, you know, you could actually say it could be a man stopper. Mm-hmm. You know. We've got that. Now that dog. Now what it is with them, they have a heavy skull. Thick necks. Um the bone mass is very thick. They have loose hanging double dewlap. Mm-hmm. So basically two-sided wrinkles. They have, uh, how do I put it, almond-type eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have wrinkles under their eyes. They are mainly in white. Now, this is another thing. They come in white a lot, but predominant colour is brindle as well. Right. We need to remember, brindle is a predominant colour within this breed. Okay. Solid, rare, bicolored gene they've got, basically. 
So what also happens is they the the old type mainly come in white, but they will always have black spots under their skin. So when you wash the dog, you see it. Mm -hmm. You see, you know, like the Dalmatian comes up. Right. But these have under their skin black dots. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a heavy, heavy head. You know, minimum height requirement is probably for a male is about 31. Females could be 29 to about 33. They have a well-sprung ribcage, you know. Um, whereas the others don't. You know, they're, they're very heavy, heavy, heavy shoulders, heavy neck. Put it this way, it's like a bodybuilder of the dogs mm -hmm. on steroids. <laughs> without <laughs> steroids, without a definition. Right. Okay. I mean, there is more to it. There is more to it, Sean. There's a lot more to it. But I'm just giving you a brief description of what people can identify the dogs by. Perfect. All right. The other thing about the old dog is they don't use them now for fighting right why do, why they don't use them because they want faster game right they want faster game and what it is the pressure on this dog's jaw is such that when it grabs its opponent it doesn't let go you might even have to break the teeth and then they wrestle they don't fight so that's caused a decline off that bloodline right Slowly, slowly. There is, don't get me wrong, there is some out there that will fight. But they won't fight like they're intended to. Some people will do that. They will push it with that. But majority of the pure are not fighters. They're fighters, don't get me wrong, they can have it, but they're not what us humans desire is. So what they do with them dogs, they, they usually leave them, tie them up. I mean, I've seen them myself, Sean. I've gone to places in Pakistan where I've seen the old, ancient bully kutas, and I've ended up there going in the middle of nowhere. And check this out. There's no electric. It's just the sticks. It's, it's they living life like we was living hundreds of years ago. Right. They've still got them dogs sitting there, tied up. I'm like... Why are, they, why are you keeping them dogs there? Oh, that dog's not used for fighting. That's, a, that's our guard dog. We will let him off the chain at night. And he will patrol our land. And they're very territorial. You know, like a cat in piss. In yeah. his territory. Yes. They don't leave that territory. The bully kutta does this back home. Right. We haven't experienced this here because in the West, because we don't have that much land to do it on. Right. Maybe in the States... You could do it, no, absolutely. but mm -hmm. not in the UK. They mark their territories. They won't go outside their territories. I've seen this with my own eyes, you know. And the piranha bully is, is such a loving breed. Mm -hmm. Remember this. If a bully kutta makes an enemy of you, yeah, it will never forget. Right. Like an elephant will never forget. My Roma was about six months old. Very friendly dog would like to socialize with other dogs, would like to meet other dogs. See, this is where people mistake the bully kutta. It's not a vicious breed. It's A dog is what you make it. Right. I mean, bless the pit bull. Such a brilliant dog. I've read so much about it. I've got the Bible, the Bible off the pit bull. It's such a beautiful dog. But what's made it like that? People. Mm-hmm. 
early 1900s, all the people, the British, uh, the American army was using it on their posters. Why would they do that if it was a vicious breed? Why was they showing the dog like that? It's us. It's what we make our dogs, Sean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always that. We can't always blame the dog. Don't get me wrong, a lot of the bully kutas are wild, literally a wild dog. It's like taming a wild dog, but that wildness can still be tamed because it's a dog. It was bred for a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, to be honest with you, we actually, as I'm a Muslim, and as Muslims, we actually believe that they will create to guard the souls. Right. Why are you messing up the breed just to get a look and make £2,000 per pup? Mm-hmm. If you look at the ancient type dog, I've got pure ancient type dogs that are barking at 11, 12 days old. I mean, 15, 16 days old. What the hell's going on here? As soon after they open their eyes, they're bloody at it. I've never seen that. Mm. And, and in a few months, they're so big that you think to yourself, are you, are you a little, you know, look at the size of a staff. Yeah. It's the rapid, the growth, the bone structure. The thing is, the bone structure of the BK, this a lot of people don't understand this as well. People need to understand this about the Pakistani breed. I'm talking about all the Bulikuta. Mm-hmm. Do not overfeed your dogs. Right. Always keep them good bone structure because their bone structure develops till 13 weeks old I've been told this by people vets in Pakistan I've been told this by dog men in Pakistan who've never been to a vet so obviously it makes some sense you know do not overfeed them do not start giving your dogs bully max do not start putting chemicals in your dogs right. whatever happens never do that anyway that's that ran over so <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at a seal dog now then. So this is a very popular breed. This is the top breed of the Bulikuta. The seal is very common. The seal can go from up to 36 inches, shown in height, mm-hmm. shoulder length. From toe to shoulder, that's how they measure it. It can go up to that height, it can even go higher. There's been times where the dogs have gone higher but it's not always the case so we would put the average height as 36 the seal dog has a longer body less thicker bone Mm -hmm. the muzzle's thinner than the um, brana bully but one thing I, 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 want, I want people to understand as well is that, you know, the bully kutta within itself, it has a one-to-one ratio of the cranium and the muzzle, one-to-one ratio. And the other only breed known that has that is um, the feeler. Okay. That's the only other breed that has known that. And this... This was done about five years ago. This research was done by vets in Lahore, actually, in Pakistan. Uh, they used four different types of BK to do that, of different different bloodlines. Bloodlines there are known by people. For example, you've got your 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 dogs. You know, they're going to be called I don't know Scott's line or Sean's line or uh-huh. Brian line. 
peace line or whatever, you know? That's how a bloodline is known out there. But let's go back to, you know, the description of the Asim dog. So the Asim dog, the head circumference is much smaller. It's a thinner, thinner head. The eyes are not almond. The mixed dogs would have almond. They have just normal eye set. Uh, longer body, they're well sprung rib cage. I mean, they have a good rib cage, put it that way. You know, it's similar to the pullers, but I mean, the ancient dog, but uh -huh. not as much. Longer, thinner. Uh, it's a completely different dog. If you look at the type, it's different. And not just that, oh, I forgot to mention to you, the tail set of the ancient Bulikuta is longer. So as the dog grows up to six months, that tail will sit on the floor, Sean. Wow. That tail is thick and thin, it thins. But with the, with the, um, a seal, it's, it's, it's thick, but it's thin, it thins, and it sometimes overlaps them. Yeah? Sometimes it can stand straight. Right. But sometimes it will curve, but it won't curve completely. You know, like we've seen, for, I'll give you a Rottweiler, for example, where when it's got a tail, it'll curve, won't it? Right. This one curve, you know. Um, the Asis can come in a variation of colour. Um, we don't in in all the Bulikudas that I will talk we will talk about, none of them none of them have these you know what do you call it? Um oh, you know like we get the American bullies, what's that colour called? Harley Queen and all this. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that. You get a blue one. You might even get one that's like red and black and white you know sometimes we get a pit, a pit bull like that right you might get that one off the majority of the time you don't it's like the blue color that like the gray it's more or less a gray but that is very rarely very rarely you find it sometimes you might find them and another thing is about their nose all bulikutas this goes for all bulikutas their nose cannot be pink. Their eyes cannot be yellow. The ancient type will chuck out a pink nose. Mm -hmm. It will. But that could be one in a million chance. Mm -hmm. And there has been known to be, there's been known to be that the ancient dogs have done that. And the pigmentation, it doesn't get better. It stays pink. Right. You know, some of it will be black, some of it will be pink. That you'll get, but not, no bully kutta. We've got the Asil type, we've got the Prana bully, we've got the Nagi bully, we've got the Daba bully. None of these dogs will have pink noses, yellow eyes. They will always have, always have brown, you know, like hazily eyes, brown eyes. That is their eyes, dark eyes. They call it black eyes in Pakistan. Right. In the, in the West, we've got green eye, brown eye, yellow eye, you know, we, we've got all this. But in Pakistan, it's not. Right. And not just they, they, they don't, in Pakistan, they don't favour them either. The pink nose, the yellow eye, is mainly of crossbreed. Right. Majority. We can influence the Gulder in there. Oh, yeah, we've got the Guldon as well, so yeah, which is a crossbreed. Right. Then we've got the Nagi. Uh -huh. The Nagi was created around the 60s, 70s. 
It was created by a doctor. I can't remember his name. I've got it written down somewhere, Sean. Apologise again. No worries. You know, but that was created around then. A Nagi is always black. Remember this. A Nagi with the butt is always black. Mm-hmm. The eye set is a bit like a bit almondy, but with no wrinkle. Black, solid dog. Solid. It will be solid. It will be like a... It will be like a... I can't call so type dog, right. but with thicker skin. The Nagi is slim, athletic, and it's black. Nagi reaches about 36 inches. A Nagi is actually a crossbred bulikuta. It was a bulikuta, a pure seal type bulikuta crossed with a greyhound to make the perfect game dog. Mm-hmm. That was the production of the Nagi. And today the Nagi is a very, very popular breed. Nagi to Nagi has been used, but the origins of the Nagi are 60s, 70s. So it's a new breed. Right. We can class that as a new breed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll ask you just a, a little bit about the Nagi. Was it created for hunting and fighting or just fighting? It was created for fighting because they wanted more game out of the dog. The Tazi was used, which is similar to the Greyhound, with the Bulikuta, but in villages. People use them in their villages, they won't use them, you know, wild boar hunting. Because mm-hmm. these dogs don't have no problems taking down wild boars. Without any shielding, without any protection. I believe it. So you could test these breed to anything, and it will do it. Mm-hmm. Whatever function you want from this breed, it is capable of doing Sean mm-hmm. it can even their sense of smell is even so good Sean they will recognize different scents but people don't do this with the breed they don't check it Sean anyway going back to describing about the dogs so we've gone through the piranha we've gone through their seal we've gone through the nagi now I'm going to talk to you about the dababuli the dababuli maximum height is 32 inches. Dabba is known as a box. Mm-hmm. A complete history of fighting dogs. The dog on the front page looks like a Dabba bully, but with a bit of a longer muzzle. Mm-hmm. The Dabba bully is the Pakistani bulldog. It's known as a Pakistani bulldog. Okay. I haven't done no DNA on this breed. I haven't gone out my way to do that. But I can tell you one thing, that this breed is just like the American Bulldog. Mm -hmm. Very similar traits, very similar headsets, the Johnson type. It's predominantly white, mainly white. It's very difficult that they they will produce other other colours. You know, this nature, we can't mess around with nature. You know, they will produce different colours. Right. You know but predominantly white. Or it might have a little black spot on it. But that's what it is. That's a Dababuli. It's not, there's, there's, there's a lot out there that have been crossed, but to find the perfect Dababuli, you have to do a lot of, it's, it's not as easy as people think it is. You can find them, don't get me wrong. But people, uh, people like to cross the dogs, you know, with the Asil for game. This is another thing, you know, if it wasn't for the gameness in Pakistan, we wouldn't have these dogs today, Sean. They'd be extinct. They'd be gone. So, 
No, well, you know, in a way, we, we can thank them, but the double bullies is predominantly white, 32 inches max, 29, 30, the females will, thick bone set, thick tail set. Uh, it's not, the tail's not as long as the piranha bully, nor will it be as long as a sea bully. Um, it's got a thick chest. It's got a thick chest when it sits, the chest will stick out. Not as much as the other bullies either. We could say that it matches the American Bulldog. We know the description of an American Bulldog would be more or less the same as a double bully. Mm-hmm. So there's not, there's not much there. I mean, a lot of people don't even look into it. A lot of people don't even know about it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've had double bullies in the past as well. And they're very game. They're used a lot for hunting big game. Mm-hmm. But now, obviously, the decline of big game, the decline of, you know, we, we as human beings are taking over nature. You know, we're just getting rid of everything that uh, has a purpose, really. Mm-hmm. But the double bully, we class it as a bulldog. It's, it is more or less the Pakistani bulldog. Okay. Um, well, we've got Punjab, we've got Sindh, we've got towards the Afghan border. A lot of the bully, uh, the the, bull, uh, the bulldog type is more or less towards the Afghan border side, towards Balochistan, towards that end. Okay. So more, more, more towards the west, I guess. Mhm. You know, but it's a heavy, it's a heavy dog. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a man stopper. It's a proper man stopper. Right. You know, as we say today, the description is given as a man stopper. Right. I went to Pakistan. I've got two. I've got two farms in Pakistan where I keep my dogs. I've got one in Faisalabad next to the airport. I'm building another one at the moment. You can add this to another bit if you want. But obviously, while I'm talking, it's going to be everywhere. You're going to be editing all night. You are, Sean. Anyway. Yeah. When we look at that, I've got. I've got. Them kennels, I've got dogs there, I've got cattle there, I've got white sheep there. My dogs, you know what they do? They sleep with the dog, they sleep with the, uh, the, the goats. You can't see them. When I check on the cameras, I can't see my dogs. And there's been a few times I'm like, where's the dogs? They're like, what do you mean, sir? The dogs are here. No, no, they're not. Go and find my dogs. There's eight dogs there. Where are they? This is one kennel I'm talking about. Yeah. The dogs are hiding within the sheep, <laughs> you know, and there's a threat, they will deal with that threat. The only pure bullies that you're going to find is going to be the Purana bully, the Asim bully, and the Dabba. The Nagi is a mixed breed, and so is um, the Guldong. Nagi is pure, obviously it's Nagi, it's Nagi breeding, but it's still a crossbreed, isn't it? The foundation was cross, wasn't it? Right. So, that's it. And now I'm going to introduce the Kandabuli to you. Now, the Kandabuli is a very, very rare breed. If you look on my page, you see, you see one. It's very rare. Why is it rare? I'll explain to you why it's rare. The Kandabuli is a Bulikuta cross the Golter. Okay. 
that becomes a guldong. But the father and the mother have to be of champion lines. The dad has to be a champion within his own self. Mm-hmm. Or his line is champion. No losers in that line. Now you know and I know that it's very difficult to find. The guldair, same. It doesn't matter so much because of the fe- because of the female, or even the other way around. Now we've got that. Now we've produced a good long. The other cross will be the same, Sean. So we're doing good long, good long now. Mm-hmm. Now when good long and good long across, we get the kandabuli. Why is it called the kandabuli? Because it's so hard to produce. Only the champions, only the purest of the purest, will be used. Which is very hard to find. That's why it's named the Kandabuli because it's a champion. Okay. From all sides. A Guldong, I can get a Bulikuta and a Kohati Gulder and cross them. But can I prove that they're champions in the bloodline? I can't. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Kandabuli is, bro. Okay, interesting. But. The thing is with the bulikuta, all in all, the bulikuta in itself is completely different breed of dog to any breed out there. Its nature is, I put it like this, Rottweiler, German Shepherd, a Cane Corso, a Pitbull, you put all these dogs together, all their intelligence, all the things that they're able to do. A retriever. The bully kutta can do it. You know, people used to say to me, oh, yeah, bully kutta, yeah, it doesn't really like water much. I used to make my dog swim. All of them. Ah. Make my dog swim, chuck them in the mud. I've done, sure, everything I've done, people have told me you can't do, and I've done it with the breed. Mm-hmm. People will, everyone will come up with their own thing, Everyone will come out with their own theory, but the truth is, the breed belongs to Pakistan. It is a Pakistani breed. It's got nothing to do with India. India is trying to claim the name for it. Now, I'd like to tell you one thing, though, Sean. If you want to add it, add it. Make sure you always check what you're buying. Make sure these people are not selling you crossbreeds. They will show you pictures, they will show you this, they will show you that. They will make you believe. And you know what, sure enough, now it's one thing, a lot of these breeders come and they're gone. They do their thing, make a bit of money and go. Right. Are you thinking about the breed or are you thinking about your pocket? Show me the dog. I want to see the dog's bloodline. I want to see where that dog comes from. I want proof. Mm-hmm. Or proof, because I can get you proof. When I give you a dog, Sean, I'll tell you, this is the bloodline, this is the mum, this is the dad, and I've even got photos of some of my dog's bloodline. In Pakistan, it's a word of mouth. Yeah? Right. So it's thought about, there is no pedigree. There is no pedigree, doesn't exist. So, for example, my breed now will be known as Malik's breed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are Malik's dogs. You know, so this is how the breed line continues name continues and the thing is 
we need to preserve these and you know what the only country in the west that can preserve them properly is the united states of america mm -hmm. I, I feel that personally i feel that 